Hey guys, welcome to Overcrest. I'm Chris, and Jake is not here. I know we promised you guys that we were going to have the road trip episode and the Luft episode all tied up for you guys today, but unfortunately I had some stuff come up yesterday that I really had to take care of. But, as compensation, I'm going to give you guys one of the Patreon-exclusive episodes that Jake and I recorded. So I really hope you enjoy this bonus episode, and uh, if you like it, there's a lot more available over at patreon.com slash overcrest. Thanks, guys. Hey, guys. Welcome to Overcrest. I'm Chris. I'm Jake. And we have our very first Patreon exclusive episode. Here That's right. Guys. Hello, Overcrest Patreon. Yeah, hello. It's uh, it's, it's uh, Welcome to an exclusive history episode just for you. What have we got, Jake? What do we got going on? All right. Today, we're going to be hearing about the most dangerous fuel you've never heard of. All right. <laughs> so when you told me this, I was thinking, is this, well, obviously, I've heard of nitrous, so it's not nitrous. No, and we already did that. Yeah, we did that one already, and it's probably not like jet fuel or ethanol because that would be lame. Right. So, no, this is uh, this was actually brought to my attention by one of our listeners. So okay. thank you for the submission. And this just goes to show if you have cool things, let me know. Yeah, let's hear it. All right. So our story begins on a cool, crisp, clear Midwestern day in 1960. April 4th. The good old days. The good old days. <laughs> yes. Uh, April 4th was a Sunday. And the local drag strip in Alton, Illinois, was hosting a match race between the heaviest hitters of the day. Chicago-based Chris the Golden Greek Kara Messian. What? So That's the guy's name? His, his name is Chris Kara Messian. And could, people called him the Golden Greek. Was he like... Uh, like Hercules, like with oiled up with like the curly black hair. And I everything don't else. think it was because of that. Okay. I think he, because he had a weird last name, they gave him a nickname. Yeah. Cause nobody, you can't pronounce it. And no one else. Can I either. spent a lot of time working on that. Kara Messiah in the mirror. No, but I had to like spell it out and okay. phonetically spell it. Yeah. All right. So he brought out his slingshot drag car dubbed the Chiseler. Ooh, I like that name. How come nobody names a car as cool <laughs> shit anymore? I know. Everybody names it like some cute girl name or something, but the Chiseler? The Chiseler. Way better. Right. That's way so better. So Chris, the Golden Greek, is actually a renowned character in vintage drag racing circles and epitomizes the age of the hot rodder in the late 40s through the 60s and 70s. So we could do an entire history story just on this guy's career. But instead, I'll just take a moment to read this little passage I found. Okay. Quote, it's difficult for anyone who isn't yet on Social Security to comprehend the U.S. of the late 1940s. We were number one with a bullet, and we knew it. There was no self-doubt. We were high on the drug called power, and it was full speed ahead. Most intoxicated were the young men of the great generation, men who had done Uncle Sam's bidding in Europe and the Pacific. Many of them came home bursting with optimism and ready to take on the world. Some, like Chris Carmonisis, had learned to turn wrenches and make horsepower while in uniform, and he put those skills to work on the streets. Many, like the young Greek, had forgotten the meaning of fear. Well, I think that's probably true if you're trudging through, you know, the, the forest of Aden now or whatever, and you're going to go assault a German position, coming home and driving around in a car. Not, Not a, big, a sweat. Yeah, <laughs> Not exactly. A so when it came to drag racing, Carmenison didn't often lift and his cars didn't often lose. And wasn't long before the guy with the long last name was known simply as 
the Greek. The Greek. I like that. Yes. Well, now we have a movie, don't we? That's like, take me to the Greek. Oh, yeah. Get to the Greek. Get, take me to the Greek or get to the much different story. It is. <laughs> yes, it is. Okay. So that gives us a little insight into this guy and others like him from the era and right. who these racers and drag racers were. So now back to their cars. So they're called slingshot style dragsters. What does that mean? And it's basically the stereotype of what you think a 60s drag car looked like. The skinny little bicycle tires up front, the long chassis, giant giant engine sitting right in front Wait, of what's the driver. The, what's the more common name for those type of hot rods? I, I don't know think it, because it's not, I'm, I'm, it's not a funny car. No, I can't remember what it is. A uh, gasser, a gasser. That's no, cause a gasser is a different style. Okay. So it's it has got the little the skinny, wheels in the right. But this isn't like a chassis car. This is like the ladder frame. Oh, with so this an is, engine. Okay. I get yes. what you're saying. It's like yep. the little bicycle wheels up yep, front with literal, the little wire wheel. bicycle wire wheels up front. And then it has like the ladder frame giant engine sitting right in the guy's lap. Yep. And then, so the driver who is strapped into a teeny little roll cage hanging out behind the rear axle. Okay. <laughs> and literally straddling like a transmission that's going to explode. Right. So, yeah. So the Chisler, we love that name. It was powered by what was the go-to power plant of top fuel racing at the time, the 392 Chrysler Hemi. Okay. So as the Golden Greeks Chrysler was push started up to the line, to the staging line, many knowledgeable and seasoned watchers thought the car sounded a bit different, a bit louder with the cackle of each open header pipe giving off a sharper crack. Many years later, others would describe the sound as continuous shotgun blasts at idle. <laughs> I like it. Let's let's Can do you it. imagine? Oh man. All right. So I've never I've never been to any like real oh, NHRA drag racing. Oh yeah. We should go up this this summer. I've I've never everybody's like, yeah, it's it's it's, it's intense. It's, it's cool. something to behold. It really I haven't is. done it. So I, my dad took me when I was younger to Rock Falls Dragway. And what's interesting in the later years, I haven't been to one since, I don't think, but we have a family cabin up on Gull Lake, which is across the lake from Brainerd. Okay. And so Brainerd does top fuel drags and you can be on the other side of the lake miles away and all of a sudden you're here all, and then, and that's it. Oh, it's just because it's because they the do them the quarter in like four oh, yeah, seconds. Yeah, it's just over with. It's just, yeah, done. that's it. All right. So back to the chiseler. Um, when the starting lights, Chris, do you, do you know the name for these? The starting lights? Yes. Uh, lights? The Start Christmas tree. Oh, yes. Yeah, I have heard that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So when the Christmas tree turned from red to yellow to green, the Hemi-powered Chisler launched with all the drama one would expect. Enough wheel spin to throw a rooster tail smoke from each tire as they fought for traction down the strip. You know what I love is the the old photography, even the new photography, where the tires have like one PSI in them, and someone snaps the shot right when the car the is launching, yep. and the whole tire, the tire is like wrinkle. twisted. Yes. You can see like... Yeah, like a vortex. That's why they got to use bead locker rims because otherwise, otherwise it'll slip the rim right inside the tire. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's sweet. Imagine right? the guy that the first guy that made enough power to go. Well, what are we gonna do? <laughs> we, I'm just the rim is what's been. There's like smoke pouring out of the rim. It's like I don't know, George. What do we do? <laughs> All right, so Chisler, awesome launch, right? However, midway down the track, it was said that spectators could notice the car started to pull harder, much harder than they had ever seen halfway down the track. As the car crossed the line, there was a period of silence. This was before the time 
being of you know instantly times being displayed on the the big screen at the end of the track right right did, did some chicken like a little 50s bikini <laughs> or 60s bikini have to like run down with like little i like that much better but it was an announcer would actually have to read off the time after each run but there was an even longer pause than normal after this run the announcer was hesitant this couldn't be right finally the loudspeaker barked to life and the announcer read off the time to the crowd 8.82 seconds at 204.5 miles per hour. What's the contrast here? What are the other cars? 180. This was oh the first <laughs> time anyone had ever broken the 200 mile per hour barrier in the quarter. That is incredible. That's 20, 20 miles an hour in the tra- and your in trap a, speed. Is, yes. It's like in, insane. Everyone else was running 180 that, yeah, that that's, night. Okay. So the Greeks pass that day is still hotly debated. Some claim the timing device was inaccurate, but others who were there said it was so much faster than any of their cars that day that it had to have been true. And apparently there's actually an old eight millimeter home movie on YouTube of this exact pass. Well, the problem with the eight millimeter film is they're like 12 or 13 frames per second. Right. So So it'll just be like car, car done. Yeah. It's just like. (laughs) So what really made the Greek so fast that day, Chris? It turns out Chris had added a little. Oh, I forgot his name was Chris, too. Just call him the Greek. The Greek. So the Greek had added a little secret to his car, and it was a dangerous, volatile secret. It was the same secret that would launch the USA's Titan rockets into space. The secret that the Soviet Union would use to power the ballistic missiles designed to thwart the threat of the U.S. aircraft. That secret was hydrazine. So this is a completely different type of fuel. Now, here's the thing. Was it legal? Was there anything that said you couldn't use this fuel? Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So what is it? Hydrazine, technically named anhydrous hydrazine, is a molecule of two single bonded nitrogen atoms and four peripheral hydrogen atoms. Do you know your chemistry, Chris? I, How's that arranged? Wait, what? Say it again? No, I, I, I just, tuned, I, I'm, 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 yeah, I know. <laughs> as soon as you did that, I tuned out. Yeah, I'm like, ah, whatever. That's what accurate. Chemistry. Okay. So we'll get back to it. It's clear and colorless and toxic to the touch like how if absorbed through the skin it damages the central nervous system producing symptoms as extreme as tumors and seizures like instant tumors most of these guys all died from cancer later wow because they were handling this there's one story i didn't include where the quote was you know it's uh crazy shit when you touch it and can instantly taste it in your mouth Like, what? (laughs) (laughs) All right. So the first hydrazine fuel was used with methanol during World War II in the Messerschmitt ME-163B. That was the world's first and last rocket-powered fighter plane. Do you remember seeing pictures of these? The, the old Messerschmitts? Yeah. No, no, no. Messer, this, so Messerschmitt was a company, actually, of aircraft. Okay, I always thought of, like, Messerschmitt as the, 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 the plane. The plane. Right. Okay. No, so this was their, like, experimental rocket fighter. So it's not a jet. It's not a prop plane. It's literally a rocket, solid fuel rocket. Okay. So well, that doesn't, how do you refuel that? How do you, it's, you fly it once and then. No, well, you're right. It's not solid fuel because it's hydrazine. So yeah. it is liquid fuel, but it was a rocket okay. jet. And as it turned out, these planes had a tendency to explode as they flew through turbulence. These planes killed more than 50% of all the pilots that flew them and never lost one to enemy action. Wow. How would you like to get that ticket? Yeah, you're going to fly. How do they convince them? <laughs> this thing will never be lost to enemy action. We haven't lost one to, to enemy action. But I'm sure half they didn't, of the people died. They didn't tell anybody. No, they didn't. They didn't tell anybody. But that's a shitty track record. Not have good. half of them fall out of the sky because they just explode when you go too bumpy. 
So hydrazine was even is it very vol. Is it a volatile fuel like nitroglycerin kind of volatile? OK, very. So hydrazine was even rumored to have been used by the Nazis as an additive to the Mercedes Formula One cars of the pre-war era. OK, so that's like not official. So I didn't find anything on it. But anyways, back to our story of the Greeks 200 mile per hour pass. And it was far from the first use of hydrazine in drag racing. So who did, is it the, the Nazis that discovered this? The Sorry. Nazis first used it in the fucking what? It's, I know, it's too I know. bad that the Nazis are jerks because they, <laughs> because I they think, okay. I think that's an understatement. First of all, we got to take a clear position. I'm trying, on Nazis, not, I'm, trying, right? I'm trying not to be profane. I, I they're would, terrible, terrible people. Hideous. Did terrible things. Right? It's too bad. They're but hideous. They were very ingenious. Yes, they were. They were. <laughs> okay. So yeah, the Greeks 200, 200 mile an hour pass was not the first use of hydrazine, obviously, but it also wasn't the first use of it in drag race. It was just the most notable. So its roots used in drag racing actually traces back to Southern California in the 40s, 20 years earlier. The story goes that engineers involved with the fledgling space program out at Edwards Air Force Base were also prone to hot rodding the cars in their spare time. They soon discovered that this chemical used in rocket fuel might give it a bit more power to their flathead V8s. Okay. And power it made. A stock Ford Flathead V8, for comparison, made 90 horsepower out of the box. At six to one compression or something. Right. Yeah. Whatever it was. They found that a bit of hydrazine mixed with nitromethane would push the same flathead to 380 <laughs> horsepower. How do they keep the motor together? The downside, however, is that they generally only lasted for one or two nitro runs and then became junk. Yeah, I bet they did. Yeah. These I kind of wonder what the heat the I know. Being, I mean, the EGTs must be just out of Ridiculous. control. So these same racers also discovered hydrazine's major drawback for practical use. So after running it through an engine, the carbs would start to cake up with a substance that resembled soap flakes. This nasty little byproduct was a shock-sensitive explosive called methazotic nitrosalt of hydrazinium acid <laughs> and was the okay. result of allowing vapors from the nitrohydrazine mixture to condense in a closed environment. Right. So never mind the stuff will throw your crank to the ground after like a couple runs. Right. But You're, if you happen to tap the carburetor with a wrench, it'll blow your face <laughs> off. <laughs> or drop it or anything. Right. God. Uh, yeah. So it basically is a chemical very similar to nitroglycerin after it gets mixed with a fuel. Okay. So it is, I didn't get too much into the chemistry of it. It's an oxygenator. So where can I buy this stuff? Um, it we'll get to it. It actually okay. is still in use in certain industrial practices, we'll okay. say. Um, so although unrelative, so although relatively stable to store and transport on its own, its reaction with other chemicals were unknown at the time and could be extremely dangerous. A spokesman for one of the na nation's largest chemical producers, appalled at the hot rodders messing with this stuff, commented, quote, there's no way to pinpoint every phase of reaction between hydrazine and nitromethane. And he went on to state, it could easily result in unexplained engine explosions. Is this, was this the doc from Back to the yes, Future? that's who I'm channeling. <laughs> that's Good who call. I'm imagining Good call. doing this. Yes, yes, okay. Quote, you gotta remember that hydrazine could burst into flames even when merely spilled on iron oxide. You can't just go back in time, <laughs> Marty. <laughs> I want to repeat what I said there last, though. You gotta remember that hydrazine can burst into flames when merely spilled on iron oxide. Chris, what is iron oxide? Uh, that's just iron. No, it's rust. 
Oh, it's rust. That's AKA right. AKA rusted metal. So if you drip some of this on rusted metal, explode. It's <laughs> <laughs> not good. No, especially not in the rust belt. Right. Okay. So back to our story of the Greek. I found a quote from one of his mechanic friends later in life. Quote, the late and sorely missed John Hogan used to work for Chris Carmenesai, the Greek or the golden Greek. This was way back in the 60s. I know if we say remember the 60s, we weren't really there. Whatever. <laughs> I like this guy. All right. So, quote, the Greek used to try everything and anything to go faster and quicker. One of the craziest things was using hydrazine as an exciter and oxygenator for nitro. John said he used to have to keep the eight ounces of hydrazine in a box full of ice covered with a towel. The Greek would do his burnout. And after he backed up, John would open the fuel tank, add the stuff while they took the throttle stop and switched the pump to high side. As soon as the pump picked up the mixed fuel, the engine started heaving and barking and making a hellish noise. It started throwing big green flames in the air, even at idle. Then the green light would go and the car would launch like nothing you've ever seen before. The deal was that they had to run the whole tank out or it would become hypergolic and blow a crater at the track. <laughs> well, once it's once it's going, it's going. There's no, so, there's no coming well, back. No, it's not that. So they idled the car back down and re- to the return road until the tank was empty, right? So, of course, NHRR got wind of this shit and banned hydrazine in competition. This is still a quote. Those were the days. The saying went something like, if the ground is shaken and the flames are green, he must be using that hydrazine. I like it. I like it. So, in my research, I found a ton of stories like this. Apparently, hydrazine, when mixed with nitromethane, which is what they were all running, it was actually only like a a 5% hydrazine to 95 meth. Methane. No, I'm sorry. Nitromethane. Um, so when you mix them, it became so unstable that after five to 10 minutes of sitting, it was known to spontaneously combust. Okay. Let's- so there's stories of guys running in, in the dragsters, shutting them down, wheeling them back to the pits. And blow- They've been the- off for 10 minutes and the engine would just blow up there 10 minutes later in the pits, just sitting there. Well, someone had to have found this out the hard way. <laughs> One mechanic reportedly died in the pits when a cylinder had blew off the engine that was cooling down next to him. Imagine it's killed by a cylinder head hitting you in the face, basically. I didn't include this in the story, but there was another, like, this is all anecdotal from these guys who are older now and finally sharing these stories. Well, it's because they weren't able to share it on Facebook right away. True. But he said uh, they were at some drag race and everyone was obviously using hydrazine, but no one quite knew how much to put in or when to do it. So they knew you had to do it right before, otherwise it would explode. Right. So... There was like two or three passes down the track and these cars were just blowing up like before they even got started. So all the guys then were like, screw this, took their like moon eye gas cans full of this stuff out back in the mud pit, they called it, and we're all dumping it. So like all of a sudden, all these guys are coming from the different race teams and just <laughs> dumping this stuff out. They're like, no, I don't know what to do with this. Right. Just, exactly. That, I don't know that that would fly under the EPA. Yeah, probably not. Yeah. So as you might imagine, hydrazine has been banned by every single sanctioning racing body. However, there are still signs of it being used right up to the modern era. What about using it on the salt flats? That's where they found out that it cakes up the carb oh. and then it explodes in your face. Yeah, that's so <laughs> yes, they used it there, but now it's still like it's outlawed even in you can't even do it salt there. flats. Okay. Yep. Um because th- theoretically, if you're a quarter mile uh, mile down the track and your carb blows up, not really that big of a deal. Right. But I suppose if you're it's a safety issue of handling it, that it's yeah. just gonna blow up when or you're give you cancer. It. That too. Right. Yeah. They they show 
pictures when I was researching like chemical uses. NASA uses it still for rockets. But now when well, they load, NASA, they're they kind of have their mind wrapped around safety. Right. And how to, but showing the safety, they all have these full isolated suits like you have to wear a space suit even to pour this stuff. So you have to be an astronaut to even fill up the space right. shuttle. Right. Okay. Which these guys were not and probably not <laughs> no. wearing full space You're telling suits. me the Greek wasn't an astronaut? The Greek probably wasn't an okay. astronaut. All right. So as I said, there are still signs of it being used in the modern era. All right. In drag racing. So there was one nighttime qualifying session back when the 300 mile an hour per hour barrier was about to fall in funny car racing. So this is like the ladder cars, but they have the fiberglass body. Yeah, that just flops down. Exactly. It's hinged at the rear. Yep. Yep. It's awesome. So when one of these cars in contention for the honor made a lap with those freakish green header flames dancing up over its roof, quote, it was so obvious that a sudden buzz amongst educated onlookers erupted. Even the announcer that night took note of the unusual sight. Officially, it was played off as a burning copper from a failed head gasket. That's what those green flames oh, were. Sure. Yeah. Now, we didn't use any any fuel additive. That was just the copper head gasket burning. But oddly enough, the very next as pair of As far as I know, the head gasket isn't exactly in the combustion chamber. Well, yeah, if I'm gonna, if <laughs> But oddly enough, all the cars must have been having bad head gaskets because the very next lineup of cars also had the green flames coming from their stacks. So... Uh, so do you think they they all have like this little stash of hydrazine in a bucket somewhere? I and don't then, know. And then when like Bobby comes out or Jimmy yep. and they're they're on the they're on the oh that guy's got the ring flame dude get the stash yeah and they all like run back to their little uh, trailers. I, I, it, I think it was only like okay we're so close to the three hundred mile let's just an hour it. like someone's gonna get it tonight we need every last little edge to sure. be the ones to do it. So outside of shady racing, hydrazine is employed mostly in rockets and extraterrestrial exploration. So we talked about it is basically a rocket fuel. What, did you say extraterrestrial? Extraterrestrial Don't you just mean like exploring space? The Curiosity rover, which has been residing oh. on Mars since 2012, aka extraterrestrial, used hydrazine to land it on the red planet. And in July... The NASA New Frontiers mission's Juno made its incredible journey into the orbit of Jupiter powered by hydrazine. In addition, it might even be a viable environmentally friendly fuel, Chris. In some types of hydrogen fuel cells, hydrazine actually produces a little more energy than hydrogen per mass. And it's easier to store because it's a liquid at room temperature. You don't have to compress it to 2000 PSI. Oh, sure. Sure. It also avoids the need for an expensive platinum catalyst. What's the what's the cost of However, the manufacturing costs are higher than hydrogen, not okay. to mention the fact that it'll give you cancer if you spill a little <laughs> at the gas pump. Yeah, I don't think I want my wife pumping no, up, I don't filling so thing off with hydrogen. But regardless of its future, there's no doubt the most dangerous fuel you've never heard of has had a very interesting past. That's a great story. Thanks, Jake. And I hope everybody enjoyed our first Patreon-only exclusive episode. If you have any more ideas, things you'd like us to talk about, uh, hit us up. And of course, spread the word. And, uh, and again, thank you so Absolutely. much for Thanks, supporting the podcast it means I, a lot to us and it keeps us going you know that feeling that you get when it's like you think you might cry a little bit i get that sometimes when i interact with you guys and it means a lot i'm Truly. actually i've been cutting onions over here the whole time no it just means a lot that people believe in what we're doing <laughs> enough no, to do I, this. I know and uh we're, we're doing the best we can to give back to you it and, is uh, it we is really meaningful. appreciate it take care guys we'll see you next week